guys, we're all human here. We're your hosts, Jessica, Jeremy, and Lavinia Martin Weber. Hi. Hey. We are we are the hosts of We're All Human here, a live stream and podcast show talking about, well, being human. So relationships, life, love, uh, work, politics, you name it, parenting. Uh, we're talking about it. This week we are talking more about creating a family culture of communication. That's creating a family culture of communication. Also, how to make it easier for your kids to talk to you. Yes, even teens. This is part two. If you'd like to listen to or view part one, we've got those links for you in the description. You can check that out, but we're going to go ahead and, and go over some of those initial points, but you can find out more uh, just by Googling We're All Human Here podcast. We're available on op Apple, Spotify, Google, and any of your favorite uh, podcast platforms so you can listen to our show from last week. All right, so let's go through these real quick. What, what we, we covered, what last, we covered week? last week. All right. All right, number one. It is never too late to start making changes, but it is easier the younger you start. Two, treat them like people. This is one of the most foundational aspects of creating a culture of communication for your family is just start out by treating kids like their people. <laughs> Three, use prompts. As in, you may not know what to talk about if you haven't ever talked to them or not much about anything of substance. So you look up some uh, options, uh, mm -hmm. discussion options, and whether they be articles or whatever, and then you jump in with them with that aid. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, four, Spend time together in ways that aren't about communication. So like cooking, car rides, public transportation, walks, grocery shopping, etc. Folding laundry. Folding laundry. <laughs> That's listening, such laundry time. Listening to We're All Human here. <laughs> there you go. Good one. Good one. Be like, Thank hey, you. what do you think of point four? The Shameless point. plug there. <laughs> <laughs> then use the settings available and speak their language. If they're more comfortable communicating over text, give it a shot. You can meet them where they are. Six, ask your kids to teach you. Mm -hmm. Flip the script and you go from being the teacher to being the student, whatever form that takes. It yep. empowers them and validates them as people of, uh, you know, that matter to you. Yep. And who knows, you could become the next video game master. <laughs> Minecraft! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, start with the small things. Listen, even if it feels inconsequential. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Then, uh, <laughs> then identify your triggers and work through them. Be curious and ask why you feel, your, or why you feel what you feel, or why you're reacting a certain way. Mm -hmm. Nine. Listen. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Ten, don't interrupt them. Because you're not listening if you interrupt. Uh-huh. Eleven, control your own reactions and feelings and response. Protect their feelings so they don't feel like they have to protect yours. Yep. Twelve, give them time and space. Um, Thirteen, do not make it about you. Don't react saying it is a failure of yours. Yeah, don't react to whatever whatever they have to talk to you about and make it about you saying, like, oh, you're a failure of a parent. 
And then our last point from part one of this topic is validate and affirm. Don't tell them not to feel a certain way or that it isn't true or that they shouldn't say certain things. That shuts down communication and eventually they'll feel like they can't tell you what they're feeling because you're going to tell them that they can't feel that way. Nobody wants to be told they can't feel or... Yeah, that they don't feel, that they're not allowed to feel a certain way. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. They'll still feel that way, but then they'll also feel like they can't talk to you then. Right. That's right. Right. That doesn't actually, nobody ever in the history of ever stopped feeling stupid because somebody said, oh, don't feel stupid. Actually, that would probably make them feel more stupid. Right. Because like, now oh, feel great. Like... Now I'm not supposed to feel stupid. But I feel stupid, so I'm stupid for feeling stupid. Exactly. It just becomes, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Or if they're angry, it's like, that's not something to feel angry about. Well, no, now no, they feel angry. angry and stupid. So, congratulations. <laughs> Just don't do and it. And now they're angry about feeling stupid. So, <laughs> And also they're angry that they told you. So, uh, yes. just don't go there. Won't do that again. Just stay far, far away from this. All right. So, moving on then. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about those particular points, and we give some examples. We, even, we go way in depth about them. Each of those points. We go yes. way further in That depth. podcast was long. <laughs> <laughs> don't not them. scary long. Like a load of laundry long. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, a load of laundry. Or making dinner. Or driving somewhere. Yeah. Or running errands. Yeah, there you go. It was the perfect length for all the stuff we wanted to cover <laughs> in it. All right, so next up is ask them how they feel about things, including family guidelines. This one is one that took me a long time to understand because I was never asked how I felt about how our family, my family as growing up operated. I was never asked how I felt about rules. I was never asked how I felt about the responsibilities that I had or didn't have or how I felt about the freedoms I did or didn't have. I was never asked anything about how I felt about it. So initially when we became parents, I thought our job is to set the structure and the boundaries and um, and then to enforce it. Right. And anything beyond that was, if I asked them how they felt about it, well, wasn't I implying then that they had some sort of say when in fact they probably didn't have any say? And um, that, that, that was how we went about things at first. Right, right. And so when, when things would get difficult, we, uh, we understood it as our kids bucking against this wonderful system that we put in place. Because we love them. For their health, their well-being. <laughs> oh, <girl>. and, <clears throat> and And took it as a personal attack. Right. When they didn't like the system. Right. Wow. And, yeah. So, but then. <laughs> whoa. So, my, no, yeah. actually, I was thinking, I don't, I don't want to, like, no, go ahead. interrupt you, but um, uh, the last video that I made on A Girl with a View is talking to your parents about restrictions and rules. <laughs> so I just think it's funny. This is kind of like a flip side. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, we realized pretty young that this uh, hampered communication, actually. And we could listen to how our children feel about things, including our family guidelines, including hard and fast rules, including uh, age development responsibilities and opportunities and all of those things. We could listen without it meaning that we weren't somehow still responsible for it. Right. We could listen. We could engage in dialogue with our children. We could validate their feelings. When our kids told us it, that they were angry and they didn't think it was fair that they had a bedtime... It was really hard for me to be like, well, obviously you need one anyway. Because that's what I wanted to say. That's what I thought. Too bad. Too bad. That sucks. <laughs> and instead to just be like, that sounds really frustrating for you. 
And just acknowledging uh-huh. that it is frustrating to have somebody else decide when you go to bed. That that right. would be frustrating. Not that we shouldn't have guidelines. Right. That's not the right. point. The point is involve your children in creating and maybe even updating yes. the guidelines, as the, especially as they mature. And that's a big part of what we have done is we listen to how they feel, we validate their feelings, and then we ask ourselves, is this guideline about my convenience first? Ooh. Or... Because if it is, some of them are. Some of them absolutely are. If this guideline is about what works for me, about what's convenient for me, mm. is this something then? Well, it is then something that I have to at least consider something else. What? What do we even have some like that anymore? So, it 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 looks a little different now. Some of right. like some of the bedtime stuff is not just about our kids needing a number, you know, a certain, a certain number, number of hours of sleep. sleep which that does factor in right. because we've done the research, you've done the research, you uh-huh. know what people need. Um, so we want to have guidelines in place that allow them to get the sleep that they need. At the same time, we, as our kids grow older and their needs change and they need to stay up later, we still need time away from our children. Right. Every day, actually. <laughs> I pretty much need time away from people every single day or I become much more just functioning becomes much more challenging for me so it changes the guidelines it's not really a guideline anymore as much as oftentimes you'll hear us say okay we're, we're checking out for the day <laughs> right you older people say that like wanna, right they're <laughs> going to bed when now. you are whatever you want to this is your last chance yeah. and then we're done obviously we're going to be around for emergencies or for bad dreams or for what yeah, have you something. um but we have that right. boundary in place for us that does affect the whole family. Yeah. And but, that is really pretty much about our convenience. We also mm-hmm. have a few other boundaries uh, related to like meal times and and part of our, our food, the way we work food in our family yeah, is true. in part because there is, I, I really, really hate it when we're going to make a dinner and an ingredient that for a meal I had planned is gone because somebody decided they were eating all of that. And, and we want you to have free access to food while at the same time we ask that you ask, that right. you just check in so I can say, actually, I'm saving that for this meal that's coming up. Okay. And that's, that is a guideline that is legit because I do not want to have to run to the grocery store at the last minute. That is yeah. why that guideline okay. is there. That's so interesting because I like, even though you explained it and you're like, it's because I don't want to go to the grocery store. <laughs> it just sounds, it doesn't sound like a selfish, it's a me thing. <laughs> It doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like we're a community who live t- together. Because that's how we frame it. That is Because how it does affect the entire family. Right. But yeah. at the same time, who's going to go to the grocery store? We are. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> who's going to now have to take three hours to make dinner instead of just one? Because we have to go to the grocery store. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can see. I see you. I see it's you. Both uh-huh. It's both and. It's both and. Yeah. But it, that is part of living in a community, though, is recognizing that what we do impacts each other. Right. And so we have these conversations in part to help you see that. Uh, but we also have it because a lot of times, you you know, when we ask you how you feel about things, or any more, we don't have to ask you. We almost never have to ask you how you Me? feel about something. No. <laughs> but you, because you tell us. I shut down, and I'm like, if I don't want to share something, I'll just be like, and then you guys will be like, something's going on. <laughs> or... <laughs> Or yes, you have a very strong tell. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> or you tell well, I'm a verbal processor, right? right? So either I just won't say anything, like nothing. I just won't talk at all. Yeah, since you're a verbal processor, it means you do actually shut down. Right. <laughs> um, 
Or I will just go to you right away and be like... And, and you come to us pretty freely and easily yeah. now, in large part because we have established that we do want to hear what you feel about our, right. our guidelines, our, how we are operating as a family, where you see an imbalance, where you think we are being restrictive. Now, you're an adult, so it's, it's definitely changed a lot now. Yes. But uh, even with your 11-year-old, she came to me today about with some, my 11 some, year old. Um, with my 11 year old with our 11 year old she came to me today <laughs> about about something and and it is her, she is not as expressive and doesn't mm. talk as easily and so she came to me today about something and I wanted to talk about um, how she felt about something so it's an important piece yeah. and and a big part of creating a family culture that uh, talks about or that, that family culture of communication. Right. Yeah, well, and it also sets it up so it's not the parents against kids; it's parents working with, with kids. With oh, I'm sorry, right. you said yeah. that. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. We should probably add in here that the way you say something also matters a whole lot. Oh my uh, gosh! But anyway, well, I was going to say one more thing before we move on to the next point. I know this point is taking forever now, um, but that is that for those who are in who are into leadership type books, especially mm -hmm. those that have been uh, published in the last 20 years or so, we discovered that there's a whole like uh, uh, culture of, of leadership mm -hmm. type um, stuff. When we joined uh, a couple of organizations, um, or I don't know, like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like the John Maxwell stuff. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and the sign of a bad leader there is someone who just figures out all the laws and lays them down and everybody mm -hmm. just has to buy in. Not even, no, they don't have to buy in. They just have to uh, obey their yeah. your marching orders. Yeah, that's a and, dictator. And, that is well, a dictator. and that but that is kind of the the model of of business uh, running business that um, a lot of organizations are trying to get away from. Right. How do you have happier employees? How do you have employees that actually are passionate about what you're doing? How, how do you have employees that actually spark creative ideas that move everything forward? Um, how do you have employees that'll tell you actually this isn't going to work because it's really not going to work, and then they come up with other options. Right. And um, and in order to do that, you have to be approachable. You have to. I mean, there's all these things. But one of the things that is very important is to is to um, invite the uh, participation of all your employees, including the criticism. Uh huh. The good, the bad, all of it. And that does and translate shape, to the family. And then shape. Right. That's what I was going to say. Is then if you take those same principles, you can totally apply them to your family yeah. because it's the same. Thing. And a five-year-old will have a whole lot more insight than you realize. Oh, shoot, right? Yes. They they will be able to say why they don't think something is right, why they don't think something is fair, what they think would be yeah. fair instead. And a lot of times, they're not wrong. Right. They have some very valid points. But even if they are wrong, having that conversation with them allows them to really understand it yeah. so that they can shift their position. Just right. like us listening to them when they're right allows us to shift our position because we really understand better. And then better. validate how they feel about it uh -huh. and really truly listen to them, don't interrupt. Right. All of those things, you know, we've already mentioned. As opposed to as opposed to the option where you're just like because I said so. Yeah. Or or whatever. Which will shut them down from coming to you about right. anything else. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, then next one. <laughs> Model it. So we're talking about opening lines of communication with your family. Um, model it. Be vulnerable about your own stuff without burdening them or traumatizing them. Oh, well, I get this one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that worked out really well. <laughs> 
So if you want your kids to be vulnerable, especially as they're growing up and they're getting into their, their preteen years um, and then their, their teen years and the dating scene and all that, which by the way, the dating, the push, the, our dating culture is younger and younger and younger. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm sure a number of you can relate to your preschooler being like, I have a boyfriend or, or I have a girlfriend. Or somebody or, else asking them if they have a boyfriend right, exactly. or girlfriend. It's just, it is mind boggling how young that starts. Um, but especially then as they get older, uh, you want them to be able to come to you with their concerns and their questions about relationships, mm -hmm. about whether or not they're getting bullied or um, if they can do their math homework or not, mm -hmm. um, or, or, or how they feel about whether or not you let them have a phone or, you know, their vulnerability is, is, is what we covet because they will, they feel safe with us and they want to mm -hmm. tell us and, and ask us and mm -hmm. they want our input and our insight because we're so wise. And, um, if they don't see us being vulnerable with them, where are they learning this from? Right. right. I remember when we first met and you told me that your family was perfect. And I huh? laughed at you. I did. <laughs> and you did. I did. I, I laughed. those words. I did. I, oh. I did. I was like, so tell me everything. So, well, okay. The conversation was like, <laughs> she shared something very dysfunctional about her own family. And she was just like, well, that's just kind of my family. That's how they, you know. Oh, I and, figured we every, may as well just be like right. up front. Like if you were yeah. getting in, interested in me, right. you need to know what is coming with this. And so, and it was one of those like, so this was my experience. How's your experience? She assumed I would just be like, oh, oh yeah, my family's my got issues too. Dump. And instead, um, I couldn't see anything wrong with my family. <laughs> and so I did say, what? Well, my base, I mean, I don't, there's nothing really for me to share. It's yeah. based, my family's basically perfect. And I was oh, like, how blind I was. Actually, that was a really big red flag for me, by the way. I thought yeah. maybe this guy is not good relationship material yeah. oh, he thinks his no. family is perfect and anybody that thinks their family is perfect is set up for massive disappointment in their own relationships and being unaware of fam a culture of family dysfunction which i believe every family has at least some dysfunction our family certainly does the family we have created definitely has dysfunction. We're working on it every day. So the, the yeah, well, the, and the, to couch it even further, with a little more detail, was you were relaying to me how your family deals with conflict. And so I was thinking, well, how does my family have conflict? Ooh. And I realized my family doesn't have conflict. Oh, Therefore, no. they're, they're basically perfect. perfect. What I had to learn was that just because you don't have conflict doesn't mean you don't have issues. You're just not talking about them. Oh, we laugh. Well, it's fine because my family is perfect. So. <laughs> oh, no, we have failed. Starting all over. Starting all over. Wait, what does that mean? What does that entail to start all over? I do not know, but we're going to have to figure it out. It's like, happy Halloween. <laughs> Ew, no. But I, I bring that up because when, it, when we first... We're getting to know each other mm. and entering our relationship. You went in thinking your family was perfect yes. because they didn't have conflict. Because, yes. and and then I remember when you when you started to wrestle with the fact that you saw your parents as never being a broken, never being, mm. uh, never being flawed, never having any of these these challenges that you had. 
that you, oh. they were never vulnerable with you. They hid everything. Mm -hmm. They hid their struggles. They hid their pain. They hid, they hid all of that for you. So then when you were experiencing them, it felt like failure. And that was, that was big for us in therapy. That was big yeah. for us in relating. And it was big for us then in shaping that our children needed to see us cry, needed to see us struggle, needed to know when we were having bad days, needed to hear us apologize to them for messing up in right. our parenting, uh, for making mistakes, that it was actually really important for them so that when, as they grew, there was not this deep personal sense of right. failure that they struggled. Well, I'm sure, sure that was also very disorienting for you and your siblings since your parents never had that vulnerability with you um, or never really showed that side that that when the uh, the divorce happened that must have been a lot um, it was it was a, okay there's a whole story there so my parents relationship in, in my teenage years and beyond was very difficult um, especially actually especially after I met Jessica mm -hmm. um, because that's when things were really uh, getting complicated um, well, even oh, then, did it happen reason. after y'all? So, okay, mm -hmm. oh, real, I did quick, know that. real quick synopsis. I grew up in France. My parents were missionaries there. And um, after being missionaries there for like 30, 20, 30, 30 years probably, um, then all of a sudden like, it seemed like they were having issues with work and then we had to move back to the States. Back, I say loosely, because I never really lived in the States except for mm. that one year that was really awkward when I was 10. And... Um, did not mean to open this can of worms. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, so, all right. So come to find out. And so, that you know, I, I spent one more year with my family in the States before moving then to uh, Illinois to go to school, uh, college. Which is where we where, met. Where we met. And so from there on, it was us kind of creating our own thing and me distancing myself from my family um, just because that's what happens when you grow up to an extent. But also because, come to find out, uh, my dad was a closeted uh, homosexual for their well for his entire life mm -hmm. and he uh but they still didn't know that when we were together all the, all they, they they were supposed to go to marriage therapy um and uh and they did and, and they, they did and it didn't really help anything until he was ousted in the christian community college that he was teaching at by one of his students he was blackmailed and well, i'm telling a lot you and are um a lot. <laughs> And uh, and that blew up their marriage. Actually, he was okay staying married with her because it was like, yay, finally I can be me. And she's like, uh, heck no, I don't even know who you are. She had boundaries. Which is good. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Uh, but if you can ungayify uh, yourself, then maybe we can stay together. And he was like, no, heck no, I'm happy being gay. So, um, being his true authentic self was but something we wanted. That was, right. that was a couple of years into our marriage already. At oh, that point. we were married what? when that happened. Yeah. But what all of this led up to was me understanding why and seeing, opening my eyes more and more as to when I was a teenager, I really, they, we didn't talk about anything. And the, and, yeah. and the older I got within my teen years, the more I, you know, I realized in retrospect, you know what the safe topics are? Talking about the weather and talking about the weather. I mean, it's pretty much... Talking we could talk weather. about the weather. Otherwise, we enjoyed blissful silence during our meals. And music. You could talk about And we talk could talk about music. music. But there was a lot of quiet. Yeah. It was just a very quiet family. You know, which I didn't understand. We were hiding so much. My parents were hiding so much. Um, people at my dad's job thought something's up. And um, and they told, you know, my mom ended up finding out something's up. She figured she was having, or he wasn't having an affair with a woman. He was not. 
having an affair, having with, an affair with the woman. woman. Dude, what? Uh-huh. Yes. So and so it, she had all this inner tur- turmoil. She couldn't share it with her kids because she felt like it was inappropriate. Which I think it probably would have And maybe been. to an extent it was. And then I could tell also my dad was totally like ripped up inside. And I remember one time when I was a, like I was 15, 16, maybe even 17. And I found him. He was on our balcony sipping a glass of whiskey or whatever, um, which he would he would do pretty often. Just, mm-hmm. You know, he, a glass at the end of the day to right. kind of help him unwind. And... And I, I looked at him and I'm like, I, I can, I can sense, I'm an empath. So right. like, you can only hide your feelings from me for so long, especially <laughs> your hurt feelings. And I'm like, I look at him in the eye and, and I'm like, there is something going on with you. Dang. What is going on? And he teared up and he says, I can't tell you. Oh my and gosh. that was that. And, and, and that and a few other things were made it so that I realized I shut down to my parents. Right. Because they can't open up to me. Right. And okay, it, I didn't realize we were going to go there during this conversation today. <laughs> but <okay? laughs> to model it, if my dad had been able to tell me anything at all... Even just, just, I'm having a hard time with something and it's really tearing me up. Or it's really getting in the way of, of how I'm connecting with my family. Yep. Or I'm really depressed. Or just anything. Just yep. anything that said, I'm human and I'm struggling. And this is hard. Yeah. Because you can model vulnerability without sharing inappropriate things that would traumatize your child. Right. There, on my side of the family, it was the flip. There was way oversharing about <laughs> things that I should never have heard about. And and my my parents talked about each other to us kids and what they were struggling with in their relationship. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of the. Uh, for those of you listening, I definitely made the uh, face. <laughs> you, there were certainly things that I never wanted to know oh or hear gosh. or that I then took on some sense of responsibility that I needed to help my parents with right. this at 11 years old I have a distinct memory of trying to be like I'm going to help heal their marriage at 11 no I wasn't and and I had no business think even being in that position to think that maybe I should help them <laughs> but so you went from came from a family where everything was locked in yes. and nobody oh, was ever shoot. vulnerable yeah. I went I came from a family that overshared ridiculously and we had to figure out a balance that would be uh, modeling vulnerability for our children without burdening or traumatizing them. It is kind of a miracle we stayed together. Oh my gosh. You guys really are the couple from Up. Like the complete opposite. The couple from Up. Complete opposite. Literally even like the marriage scene where one side's like wow! Do you remember remember the one time when watched that with grandma and grandma went the girls all kind of looked at her and she was like I know what you're thinking (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well it's really interesting then how you guys have since you have demonstrated being vulnerable with us kids but not oversharing it is it is also demonstrated to I mean at least for me that I can be vulnerable with you and also not give you the full details because I don't have to or I'm not ready to I mean like recently when I told you I mean I I ended up telling you the full story you did in my own time, though, it right. took it took like a yeah. week though between me saying, "Hey, and I'm for going you, through something," and that's I need... literally forever. Oh, right, that was such a long time. It's <laughs> the slowest process ever. But like, within, I mean, I 
the first time I even said anything about whatever I was going through to you guys was, um, hey, I'm gonna go to therapy. I'm mm-hmm. signing myself up mm-hmm. for therapy. Mm-hmm. And you and you, you asked if I want to talk about it, and I was like, I don't think I can right now. Mm-hmm. I just need, I, I know that I need to get help for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and I, it's also the first time I've ever really think I've done something like that, where it's like I'm going through a hard time and I didn't tell you what it was until yeah, like maybe. a week later. Um, but it was kind of weird, but I also knew that it was okay for me to do that. Right, right. And, and the thing is, we want our children to be able to tell us everything. And we want our children to be able to open up about everything without fear of burdening us or traumatizing us. But to recognize that modeling that as adults interacting with children, one of the things to keep in mind is what a child is developmentally ready to hear about their parents or, you know, the people in their, the adults in their lives. So modeling that isn't to say that we want them to think that they need to not burden or traumatize us, not at all. And the other points we've talked about that, but it does also then as they get older, helps them understand the truth is you as an adult now, I want to know everything going on in your life, but it is your life and we respect that and we give space for that. And, and it is your choice to tell us or not to tell us. And it is not about me if you choose not to. And it's not about me. Oh, all right. Ready? You've got the next point. Um, let your kids experience be their experience. Don't dismiss it. All right, this is, hi. You gonna come help us? You gonna join the show today? Look at that, she was coming to me. She was coming to you. Hi. Let your kids experience be their experience. Don't dismiss it. That's what Lavinia just shared. This is a really big important one. We're not gonna take a whole lot of time on it though. and what, what I love about this one is just recognizing that our children uh, are not going to be many versions of us. You're not a mini version of me. Oh, thank God. I mean, not that's not a bad thing. Oh, okay, wait, sorry. That's not uh, That's okay. It's fine. You can be grateful for that. No, I mean, just because no, I love who I am. And I love who you are. And it is a good thing that you're not a mini version of me, that you are your own individual person all the way around. Yeah. And and I love that. Okay. Uh, she needs I'll to go potty. Right all right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for telling us. <laughs> uh, so let your kids' experience be their experience and don't dismiss it. Just mm-hmm. because you may not be able to relate to your child's experience doesn't make it less valid. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with validate and affirm. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. All right. Next point. Show genuine interest in what they have going on. Invest and ask questions. This kind of goes back to the if your child really, really loves Minecraft, uh, then take some time. But also, and the things that that they have going on that maybe they don't love, but is taking up a lot of their time and energy. Uh, (laughs) Why do you laugh? Just because, like, I have, I mean, we have a lot of experience exercising this point. Um, when I get into shows where rehearsals are just nightmares, right, and I really don't like it, but I still have to process it, right. You still have to go through it, or the homework assignment that that is taking over your life, or the friend drama that's taking over your life, or the you know the the scary next life stage. Uh, but take, oh, right. you, those are big things. I'm an adult, but not an adult. Yeah, that that life stage. Take taking interest in what they have going on and just getting them to uh, share about it, asking questions about it, uh, invest in it. So do things with them, 
be a part of the experience any way that you can. Even if it's you can't help them with their homework, perhaps maybe they're at a, a stage where they don't need your help, but they maybe would enjoy having you there and they sit at the table working on it and you sit at the table working on something else. Um, but asking questions is one of the keys and it's not yes or no questions. You have to ask open-ended questions. Oh yeah, so they can answer in depth about right. it. If you say, how's it going? And they're thinking it's just too much to explain. They're just gonna go, fine. You, you don't want to fine, yes, no, okay, good, I guess. You don't want I those mean, just kinds of answers. Questions yeah. like that. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have a word for it. Like, kind of questions that don't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're not open-ended questions. So instead of asking, how's it going? Instead, you would say, so tell me about this project. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how you feel about this. Uh, or what is something that is really frustrating you in this? Or what is something that you feel really good about in this? Uh, asking questions that are very specific. Or like, what do you find interesting? Like, what do you find fascinating? If we're talking about, like, homework. Right. Like, well, I can see that you're, like, frustrated with this and that you're not very happy with it. But is there anything in there where you're like, yo, I didn't know this and that's kind of cool. Right. Exactly. And, and getting them to kind of think a little bit differently can help them yeah. then their brain to handle the problem a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And of course they feel more connected and yes. that in and of itself helps. Yeah. All right. All right. Our next point, recognize shame. Did I say that right? Recognize? Yeah. Recognize I feel like shame. I said, it, said it weird. Okay. Recognize shame. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Don't shame. Honor that their own shame has power if it takes time to open up about something. Okay, this one was hard for me because I came from such a background of shame. Yeah. And so my default was to shame. <laughs> and and that was that was hard for me. Right. I don't really I mean there was like we had some shame culture in like the beginning of our family. Yeah, very early. But <laughs> Hi. Look, look, look. look. Oh, no, no, she doesn't want me. We're making the transition is happening. She's becoming more and more a daddy's girl. Oh, yeah. Need, need a snack. Yeah. <laughs> no. Did yeah. you go poo poo? I'm yeah. so proud of you. <laughs> Taken care of. Yeah, it's, you never know what you're going to end up with in this <laughs> show. Uh, so recognizing shame, don't shame. Honor that their own shame has power if it takes time to open up about something. Uh, Rachel asked, how do you deal with shutting down when you mention emotions? For example, I see that you're frustrated. How can I help? And then they shut down. So uh, this is one of the, this is so related to what we're talking about right now in terms of shame. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us, even very, very young, even if we are not in a family that actively has a culture of shame, many of us from a very young age will experience shame. Yeah. Either we've seen it somewhere, we've heard it somewhere, we, we've picked up on it from others. Shame can happen very, very I mean, young. Even at school, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because other kids are going to shame right. each other. Right. Prime well. place to experience shame. Absolutely. Uh, so much bullying is based on shame. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just a distinction, guilt is having uh, regret feelings and feeling bad about something you did. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. So I can't believe I did this. That was such a terrible thing to do. That's guilt. I can't believe I did this. I am a terrible person for doing it is shame. shame. 
So it was just that was kidding. a really good way to Thank put you. it. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. Brene Brown. That was love, not me. Love that woman. <laughs> that was totally Brene Brown. So keep in mind then that a lot of people, and especially children, won't have the words to articulate their shame. And to do so actually can trigger more shame. And so it becomes this, again, a very vicious circle. Somebody, a child, may shut down for a number of reasons. Thank you. Uh, you, 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 Bye. Bye. Love you, too. (laughs) Uh, Shutting down because of shame uh, is one of the reasons that a child may just completely shut down when talking about their emotions. Um, Another reason is anxiety. Another Mm -hmm. reason is lack of uh, the words, the actual vocabulary to communicate what it is they're feeling. Another reason is they they legit don't even know how they feel. So being asked how they feel is going to be like, I need a lot of time and space to think about this. And it may be uncomfortable to do so. Uh, so when they shut down, our main approach is to say, okay, I see that you're having a hard time talking about this right now. That's okay. I see you're having a hard time talking about this right now. Uh, when you are ready... I am here and I will stop what I am doing to listen to you. Would you like to maybe color, depending on their age, we'll offer some options. Like, would you like to color a picture and talk to us about it? Would you like to draw me a picture about it? We have one child who can write everything uh, and and pages and pages and pages and pages of how, of anything, but it's much easier for them to write it than to talk to us. So we give them, I figured you'd want that. Uh, We give them some options for how, for how to talk about these subjects that um, maybe shut them down otherwise and find a different way for them to be able to communicate that. There we go. Yep. All right. Uh, You want to do this one? Sure. Respect their stage of development. Don't ask for more than they are capable of. We touched briefly on that um, earlier uh, when I gave my long uh, bio. Um, Let's see. Don't ask for more than they are capable of. Well, Uh, this actually kind of goes along with the reason why somebody may shut down. A child may shut down. They're developmentally not able to even articulate what's going on and what they're experiencing. So don't ask for a child to engage in a, a communication style that they're not able to respect where they are, where their, their stage of development mm-hmm. is. Um, and that includes respecting if they're lying because they're, they're experimenting with truth telling, uh, respecting if, if they need to be physically active while communicating because they simply, that's what they physically right. need, that's their developmental stage, um, all of that. Right. Right. Ask yourself: Is this um, are they acting this way um, to annoy me, or are they acting this way because they're six years old? Right. Or right. because you're they're ten years old. Right. Or you know whatever. Right. Don't excuse behaviors. Like you can't just say, "Well, they're acting this way because they're a teenager." That's there is some of that there. Frontal lobe. Yeah, I mean, frontal lobe. Yeah. Um, hasn't been and won't be developed way past the teen years. Uh, Fun but, fact. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you, you don't need to, um, put up with being mistreated, uh, by your teenager just because they're a teenager. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or your nine-year-old just because they're a nine-year-old. For us, teenagers are a breeze for the most part. It's the nine to 12 year yeah, it's time that's the hardest, <laughs> but that's just us yeah. with our personalities. So, yeah. um, all right. Moving on. Don't underestimate them and don't infantilize them. Oh, very infantilize good. them. <laughs> That'll go on your vocabulary list for the week. <laughs> so infant 
<laughs> infantilize. Infantilize. There you them. go. Don't infantilize. There's some them. words I just can't say. <laughs> uh, okay, so this one, uh, I love that you had this one. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <Right>. underestimate <laughs> your kids. So, well, and you, 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 you don't want to talk down to anybody. Right. Like, like that's go. so like also called um being condescending or patronizing. Um, nobody yeah, likes it. Nobody likes it. And like not even I mean I mean uh, I guess there's a difference between baby talk and like being condescending. Yes, there's a huge difference. Um it's like, you know, being like I love you, little cute baby, but then you know, just talking to someone like they're stupid or like Yep. Yep. Too right. young to understand no. or something, and that may be the case. They may be too young to understand something, but you don't. That they're not dumb for that. It's just that's where mm -hmm. they are developmentally. Right. Well, and if you underestimate them, then they're gonna think my parents can't handle it. They're gonna think you're the one who's not able to handle whatever they've got right. going on that they can't tell you about. Right. Or they yeah. either like that and or they'll um, <laughs> underestimate their own abilities. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You oh, that's can a hold very them good back. Point. That's a very good point. All right, don't rush to fix. Listen to listen and know them better, not to fix their problems. As parents, this one is really challenging because it is our job when they're tiny to make to fix any problem. They're crying, they're communicating something, we need to fix whatever mm -hmm. the problem is so that they uh, no longer are in distress. That's our that's our job. Like that's the central our central role as parents when they're teeny tiny. But as our children grow, if we continue doing that, then that's infantilizing them, and they will not learn how to fix their own problems. It will make them feel incompetent. It will make them feel incapable. It will make them feel afraid and anxious that they cannot handle their life. Right. So do not rush to fix. Listen. Let them tell you what the issue is, and then ask them, so what do you think might help with this? Right. Help them troubleshoot and problem solve yes. instead of being like, this is how you do it. Yep. Or yeah. I'll take... Today when one of our children came to us about a problem and she told me the, the things that were stressing her out. I asked, uh, she didn't even know what it was. And I was like, well, let's go through the things that might be stressing you out about family, about the things that might be stressing you out about school. And so we just kind of, I, she needed help. She mm -hmm. needed some leading in this. And so I, I finally got to the school thing and, and then she started to cry that there was something in uh, one of her subjects that she was really struggling with. And she is, Typically, school has come very easy for her, mm -hmm. and so to have something where she was struggling was it was a first ex first time experiencing this, and uh, and so I asked her instead of saying, "Well, let's just here's what we'll do," and then outline a plan. Instead, I asked her, "What do you think might help?" And she right. said she needed more help. Uh, she needed more somebody to explain it further to her right. and then right. she needed to practice this it was a math thing uh more than she needed uh she thought maybe she needed uh help talking to her teacher mm -hmm. and and so we came up with strategies but she led them right well not only does this help your kid learn how to problem solve for themselves um wait what did i just say Teaches? I said that, right? Helps them learn how to problem okay, solve. Okay, sorry. I, I felt like I said listen. I was like, that's not the right word. Um, it helps It helps your kids um, learn how to problem, so problem solve for themselves. 
And I forgot what I was going to say because I got so hung up That's on the fact that That's what it does. It helps them learn how to problem that. solve on their own. <laughs> right. Which is such a confidence builder. And then... Right. That, that was going to be the... It also... It, it teaches them to be confident in their choices. Right. And, like, listen to themselves. Right. Instead of having to go someone else um, for how to fix their problems. And then, quite frankly, how many times do you have a major thing going on and you, you need to talk to somebody about it, you need to dump on them, you need to vent, and as soon as they start with, well, you know what you need to do, you're like... That was not helpful. That oh is gosh. not what I want. You come, I, I'm struggling with something and you want to go fix it? I feel actually insulted. You think I can't handle it. Just because I'm having a hard time doesn't mean I can't handle it. It just means I'm having a hard time and I need to be able to share right. that for a moment so that I can work through it. Thank you. Like that or sometimes I feel like then they just view me as, as someone who can't. I mean, exactly. I can't handle my own things. Mm -hmm. But then everything I say, they feel like they're. I feel like they're looking for something to fix. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no. I'm not a project. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so this next one, avoid phrases such as, "How many times do I have to tell you?" or "What did I tell you?" or "I told you so," or anything along that those lines. Last one is teachable moment. Not and, teaching oh, moment. you're right. <laughs> and and avoid avoid this whole like. <laughs> How can I turn this into a teachable moment? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, because all of none of them actually meet your child where they are. Right. Um, they are all somehow either belittling or, um, what do you, what's the word there, um, uh, dismissing yeah, yeah. Um, uh, their experience. And blaming them. And then blaming them, yeah, shaming them it's a for, shame even, for even having them. Well, I was thinking more like the teachable moment is 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 a complete like dismissal of how big their feelings yeah. might be. It's right. just like, well, here's your takeaway, so now get over it. I really Dude, struggle with that. Ooh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> and it's the equivalent. And it's I still struggle with. Like, I I'll be like, so what are we gonna do next time? And then I'm like, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I hear how frustrated you it, are. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a, the equivalent of uh, people throwing platitudes at you when you when you get yeah. vulnerable online or even in person for that matter. Yeah, God well, doesn't you know, give you more than you can handle. Yeah, or you know the closed door, open window thing. Yeah. So okay, let me realize that on my own time. <laughs> yeah. Let me be sad right now and then be like, okay, like ooh, telling yeah, yeah. that kind of that kind of thing makes me really really upset. Especially if someone's, like, going through, like, a really, really hard... Right. ...or, like, traumatizing time, and you're like, well, what are we going to do next time? No, I don't want to think about what I'm going to do next time right. this happens to right. me. This mm -hmm. sucks, and I'm going to be sad about right. it. Right, and it's yep. it's patronizing and belittling and all of those things again, yep. which is just further disconnection, which shuts down communication. They'll stop coming to you. Yep. And to build off of that teachable moment thing, um, ask them if they want your help or your input mm -hmm. or your advice mm -hmm. or your involvement at all. Don't just rush in there and try to fix things and tell them your life advice and your um, perspective as an adult and how, you know, because you're so much smarter and wiser than they are. Um, none of that's helpful. No. And as adults, think about the times where you have just wanted to share a bad experience or a frightening experience with someone as an adult. Um, the last thing you want is for someone to tell you, well, you know, here's my advice for that. Unsolicited. Right, right. Unsolicited advice always sucks. It does it always does. suck. And I mean, how many times, like, again, like, as an adult or just even as a human being, have you wanted to talk about something just to, like, vent and, like, right. and talk? I mean, I'm yeah. a verbal processor, so a lot of me figuring out my stuff is, is to, talk to talk about, about it. Right. And so for someone to kind of interrupt that process and just give me unsolicited advice when I'm not really looking for it is just kind of, like, 
okay, well, I did not ask for that. <laughs> right, right. And it's not helpful, as it turns out. Uh, I think, too, when it comes to knowing how and when to do this with your child, uh, just start trying. Start trying at any age. Uh, we do it with our two-year-old. When she's frustrated and she's communicating her frustration or her anger, we'll say, do you need me to help you? Mm -hmm. Do you need me to help you? And she'll say, help, help, if right. she needs help. Mm -hmm. And other times she she'll just, say, no. she'll say, no. <laughs> and other times <laughs> no, she says, don't. No, don't. Or I do it. And, right. um, and, and that's, that's, it begins really young. We started mm -hmm. as, as soon as she started expressing frustration. So around eight months old or so, when it became very obvious that she was frustrated trying to get to something or try, do you need help? Can I help you? And, and then doing the best you can to read their cues before they're verbal. Right. And then as they become verbal, respect that what they do communicate. And it goes a long way in building their confidence again and in trusting that they can tell you something without you rushing. Oh dear. Without you rushing to fix it and override um, their feelings in the process. Did oh, she just startle herself? She startled herself, yeah. She's trying to fall asleep, you guys. Um, oh, sweet baby. I said, um. <laughs> uh, oh, no! <laughs> I did too. All right, well, we are completely out of time. We, we went way be. long. And points. Yeah, and, and we've we actually... We are actually out of points. That was the end of our list. Correct. Congratulations, yes. you made it! Yeah, so this is part two of creating a family culture of communication. You can find part one included in the links here. Also, uh, we have our podcast is available on Apple and Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Check it out. If you have a question, I see we have a really great question that we're going to come back to uh, for another show. I think that's something we may use to open next week's show. Cool. Uh, if you have a question that you'd love us to address or just a story you'd like to share with us, comment below. And of course, you can leave a comment on any of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been We're All Human Here. I am Jessica Martin-Weber. I'm Jeremy. I am Lavinia. And we're your host. You can find us most every week here on Facebook or on podcast, uh, your favorite podcast listening platform. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Have a happy Thanksgiving.